Hello and welcome to The The Spiritual Gaze. I'm Brandon. And I'm Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that any of this shit makes sense. Yeah, we don't want to do that to you. No, we're not going to pretend like we know things. We're just going to keep it real. Yeah, because that's how we like to live our lives. As real as possible. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sometimes a little too real. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah. And today's going to be fun because we had promised you that we would alternate between a deep dive episode and then an episode of conversation. And we thought for that first conversation, that first interview episode, we're just going to interview each other Mm -hmm. about our own kind of spiritual awakenings and spiritual practices. And I think that'll be kind of exciting. Yeah, we want to just kind of give you guys a sense of sort of what spirituality has meant to us. It's such a broad concept. So I think just the idea of like what our spiritual lives entail could be interesting and hopefully even somewhat relatable, but we'll find out. I think so. I think actually we also might find out a lot more about each other just through this. Yeah, because if this is your first time listening, this is only our second episode, but uh, we are husbands. We are husbands. We've been married about a year and a half now. But we've been together for almost eight. Isn't that true? Yeah. Oh. We That's, should introduce our third. Yes, this is Noche, <laughs> who you will probably hear bark and probably scratch because he has got a case of the allergies this week. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I bathed him yesterday and it didn't seem to do much of a difference. Well, what are you going to do? Um, and he's the glue that holds this family together. Yeah, and he's not technically a person, but he does exist as if he is a person in our home. And we have not done anything to make him think he's anything yeah. other than a tiny little baby. So. Exactly. For all intents and purposes. <laughs> He's now just like a tiny grouchy little baby, but I guess that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, I think we'll just kind of start by just kind of checking in, seeing how how we're doing. How are, how are you doing, sir? How am I doing? I'm yes. doing pretty good. I had a really lovely day. We're yeah. recording this on the new moon in Gemini. We are. Happy new moon. So happy new moon. Thanks. So I spent the day just like talking up a storm like mm-hmm. an air sign would. Yeah. During an air sign new moon. Yeah, you had a lot of readings today, right? I did. I had a breathwork energy healing client remote, and then I had a, an hour-long tarot client remote, and then a half-hour tarot client remote. Dang, girl. I know. Working hard for the money. Yeah, it felt so good, though, to be connecting with people, even though... Because I really love bringing people into this room and putting oils on them and having them pull the cards. Mm-hmm. But it's so nice to remember that this work can be done just as powerfully when someone's in Canada, you know? Right. Or in Florida, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was also cute because my last reading, when I FaceTimed her, she was like, I could see her jogging to her car. Like she was trying to get to her car <laughs> for the reading. And I was like, Gabby, I was like, it's okay. I was like, you're my last client of the day. I was like, if we go over a few minutes, it's fine. I was like, walk slowly, get to your car, crack yeah. the windows, get grounded. Yeah. Energy. Energy yeah. girl. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, I always felt um, a little like nervous in the beginning of doing remote readings because I always just felt like, oh, I need their energy in this space and what have you. But it seems like nowadays, you know, it's so much easier. Now that you can actually look at people too. Yeah, but I'll say I my second hour-long tarot client was just over the phone, just voice to voice. Yeah. And that was no less impactful and profound. Yeah. 
And the like woo-woo kind of like spiritual belief I have about all this is that there's no such thing as time or space. For sure. There's just the oneness. So even when I have a breathwork client that's remote and I can't put oils on them, I put the oil on myself and I try to transmit that energy to them because even though in this moment we're in separate bodies in the big realm of things, we're all just in the cosmic soup. And then oftentimes, those are the most impactful readings. Oh, yeah. And you don't have to go through wardrobe and hair and makeup. I didn't even shower today. It's a skank. I was like, my clients won't be able to smell me. It was a busy day. Unfortunately, I can, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I'm just kidding. You smell fine. Really? Yeah, you're covered in oils. You oh. smell amazing. Oh, that's true. Because I also did, <laughs> I, I was my own client today. And I did like an hour long breathwork energy healing session on myself to honor the new moon in Gemini. Well, I hope you paid yourself handsome. I did. Good. <laughs> you so, deserve all the coins. That's my check-in. <laughs> How well, are that's you? Good. How are you, honey? Um, I'm good. I read your uh, newsletter today. And for everyone out there, you should know, Brandon writes a really beautiful newsletter that goes out. Tell the people how they get your newsletter, honey. I try to send it um, in alignment with the new moon and the full moon. But essentially, it goes out every other Monday at 5.55 p.m. Yeah, and it's great. It offers like so much information and it links to other things that he's doing. And, you know, obviously, because it is the new moon in Gemini talking about how we communicate, because the Gemini is all about communication. It's ruled by Mercury, the planet that rules communication, but it's communication sort of within and outside of ourselves. And really thinking about something that you said in there specifically about, you know, really needing to pay close attention to how we communicate with ourselves. Mm. And it sort of tied me back to a bit of a, uh, how would how can I say, an a very vulnerable, intimate moment that we had, you know, in our relationship a few days ago. On Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday, where I just kind of had like, I just had a minor breakdown, everybody. And it's, you know, that's what happens when you get pent up and then the emotions come out like a waterfall. But, you know, what really sparked it for me was I was sort of, you know, having a, you know, we were having a little bit of a, we were having a conversation, you and I. And... You know, in it, I just kind of had this like moment of thinking, "Ugh, Angel, you're never good enough. And that actually was what then sparked me to sort of step back. And I had to really pause on that and recognize that that is just this message that, 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 that hearing myself speak those words you know, because ultimately I, I know I'm good enough and, you know, on the surface and in my head and, you know, I hear that idea and I think, oh, that's ridiculous, Angel. But obviously there is some core belief within me that says, Angel, you're not good enough. And one of my teachers says the oldest belief generally wins out. Mm, so, so interesting that in that moment of vulnerability and intimacy, and, you know, feeling kind of like, I don't know what to do. Well, Angel, it's because you're not good enough. That it was that old voice. And so even just in the last few days at work, I've been really trying to approach everything from a place of like, you're good enough, Angel. You're great enough. And, you know, thinking on a real conversation I had with a sort of mentor of mine recently about, you know, saying, you know, walk into the room as if you are, you know, 
just as entitled as anyone else who's in the room, you know, and thinking about some of that too, I've been really sort of trying to shift and, you know, I feel like I'm always, I am pretty good about paying attention to the things, the thoughts I have, but recognizing that core belief moment over the weekend was really powerful for me and shifting and then reading your words today I just felt like yes like you know in capital letters like that you're you got to be on this path angel and and for everyone I think it's so important that we pay attention to how we communicate with ourselves what are those little stories you had like a little example in there of a friend who had like a sort of a thing they always said oh she's just always saying what is wrong with me? Right. Like she doesn't even think about it, but she'll just be like, Oh God, I'm always late. What is wrong with me? Or, Oh God, I can never remember things. What is wrong with me? Like her, um, is what is wrong with me. Right. And that, and she's a Gemini. So I just thought that was such a great example because that's the sort of mental talk that we take for granted, but we don't Mm -hmm. realize it's really Mm -hmm. digging a really difficult groove to get out of. Completely. And I don't think we fully recognize that, that it's, actually really chipping away at you and then becoming part of how you express out into the world. It colors everything. Yeah. I just think if you really looked at how you talk to yourself and you imagined saying those things to someone outside of yourself, you'd be like horrified. Completely. Like if you wouldn't say it to your best friend or you wouldn't say it to your mom on a day when you guys are getting along, then why would you say it to yourself? Yeah. So... That's sort of just like a big, I think, um, you know, space I'm in right now of really trying to be super present, especially again with this new moon and this Gemini season. Yeah. Of, Which even though you you'll all be hearing this a week later, it's still, the portal's still open, you know? These new moons, they initiate something, but it's not like, hey, do it now or you're going to miss out. It's It continues to evolve and you can continue to work with it. So. hmm mm-hmm. Don't feel like you're missing the boat. Should we move into... Our dose of reality? Our dose of reality, guys. We haven't watched The Housewives of New York yet because we're recording this before we watch it. Yeah. Because we we have our priorities in order. Yes, we do record this usually after, as I mentioned last time, if you listened, um, Brandon's favorite trash moment occurs, which is... Below Deck Mediterranean. And I am not embarrassed to say that I actually watched last week's episode again before we watched last night's new episode news to me (laughs) oh what's there to say i mean i would love to go on a luxury yacht around the mediterranean i wonder if the people they had some like really terrible guests on board and i feel like they were told by the producers to be as terrible as possible Yeah, I wouldn't... It seemed like they were working very hard to be as demanding. For sure. I would not be surprised. And those are some good producers. Yeah. But if they aren't like fake people, I would love to be at the viewing party with those people as they watch all of the cast members slash crew members talk such nasty nasty shit about them (laughs) it just reminds me of like vacations with my family because Mm. my extended family can be very challenging and demanding in terms of how they treat service professionals Mm -hmm. and i would just always imagine what people would say about my family behind their backs and i would also get into the habit of like apologizing like i'd be like i'm so sorry to the waiter (laughs) or like whoever i'm always just like saying i'm so sorry they're i know they're monsters i'm sorry (laughs) Well, you've never said the monsters part. 
I have seen you do the over-apology before. Yeah, maybe I, just in my head, I just communicate psychically. I know, <laughs> I know that they're monsters. Yeah. Well, so is the cast of Below Deck Mediterranean, except for the one and only Captain Sandy. We've mentioned her before. We'll mention her till the end of time. She is an icon. She really is. And she continues to show how to do your job and how to teach other people to do their job and how it only empowers you to empower the people below you. I think so often people are intimidated by the people beneath them and they don't want them to get too many skills or learn too much because then it jeopardizes their position. Yeah. And it's like, that's such bullshit. Like if you're good at what you do, nobody's going to take that away from you. Why not educate everyone under you to the same level that you're educated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think people can get a little nervous around it or or feel like it's almost too hard. Like, oh, it's just it's going to be too hard to have to teach to someone when... Ultimately, like, it's really going to just benefit you in the long run. And it's nice to be nice. I think it's sometimes too hard. I also think sometimes people are reticent to give up some of their magic or give up some of their secrets, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have some secrets for yourself. But I think most of your secrets you can probably share with others because how somebody else interprets it will always be different. Like even with tarot, I have no problem telling people how I do certain things or my little insights into the cards because I want everyone to be as good at that as they can be. Yeah. And also no one really will be able to do it the way that I do it. So Completely. I don't have to I don't have to feel jeopardized. I, I'm happy to give the information out. Yeah. No, I mean I feel the same way with astrology. Like once you really get me started on it, like I could talk about it forever. Yeah. So Speaking of which, we have not introduced ourselves and what we do, so maybe we should just oh. really fast. I guess you might want to know that. Uh, yeah, why don't you go first? Well, as you probably gleaned from these first 15 minutes, I am a, <laughs> I am a tarot reader and an energy healer. I also have a history as a Pilates and yoga instructor, um, and I'm a writer and an actor. So I am in the healing arts, and I'm in the performing arts. Yes. And I am, by day, uh, a film and TV production development executive. I produce films or have produced some films. I'm currently in the beginning stages of producing a film. But I also work as an astrologer and have for quite some time, which you'll hear more about. And have also worked as a tarot reader before as well. Um, so yeah, that's sort of me in a nutshell. Well, I'm just going to lead right into our interview and I'm just going to draw you out and ask you how you discovered astrology in the first place. Whew. All right. Well, I discovered astrology, I think how everyone discovers astrology, which is in the, you know, or at least everyone, I guess, who grew up at the time I did, which was in the back of a newspaper um, in the Los Angeles Daily News, which came to our house. And so I would read it every morning. Um, and because I grew up the way I did, I was having coffee in the morning as a very small child. So, you know, in the morning I'd be watching Gem and drinking my coffee with probably four spoonfuls of sugar in it and lots of milk and a little coffee and reading my horoscope before I went to school. You were old before your time. I was old before my time and completely self-obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, something about me? Let me read it. So I think it just was like that. And I would definitely, you know, go to the bookstore and maybe go and see, oh, there's an astrology book. But I didn't necessarily seek it out. 
Um, but I would definitely read them when they showed up, you know, in front of me. Uh, but it wasn't really until I was living in San Francisco. So flash forward. Flash forward, everyone. The year is 1999. Everyone's in a, what was it, 2K? Yeah, tizzy about Y2K. Oh, Y2K. Yeah, everyone was freaking out, including me. I mean, I was like a panic attack filled mess. That was the our first example of fake news. <laughs> yeah. It was fake news. It was. Um, and uh, through, uh, I won't give you the long drawn out story. No, but it's a good story. So be concise <laughs> about it. All right. So I was working at a, a cafe and I had gone in that morning and I got fired because I didn't show up for my shift the night before because I was directing a play and it was like playing. And I had told the guy many times, like, my play is showing. And he's like, I was like, I can't work. And he's like, well, you have to. Anyhow, I walked in. I got fired. I walked out. I had also just kind of broken up with the guy that I was dating who was also in the play. And I was walking down the street and I saw a metaphysical bookshop that was near where I lived. The Psychic Eye. The Psychic Eye Bookshop on Fell Street. It was a hub in San Francisco for all people into spirituality and uh well probably narcotics witches healers queers and freaks and and some druggies and um walked in because i wanted to cheer myself up and buy some candles and try and find something for this boy to sort of make him forgive me and i got to talking to the woman at the counter and she was like oh you need a job well why don't you work here and i was like are you hiring she's like no but i don't know fill out an application you never know so i did and i got a call later that day from this woman named angelique who said oh your name's angel i like that can you come in tomorrow for an interview i was like sure so then flash to the next day i walk in and this very witchy but beautiful woman greets me angelique who plays her in a movie Oh, God, who plays her in a movie? Angelica Houston with like a silver wig. <laughs> no, because she was younger. She oh. was, um, you know, probably like in her th late 20s, early 30s. Oh. And I was 25, I guess. Um, so she wasn't tons older than me. So that's actually a really hard one to answer. I'll try to figure it out through the course of this story. All right. Don't get hung up on it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyhow, I, you know, we go in, we talk. She asks me to sign my name on a piece of paper. I do. And she looks at my signature and she goes, whoa. And then she signs her name. And we had the exact same signature. And I was like, that's weird. And she's like, you're hired. And then when can you start? So I started like two days later. And on that first day there, probably 15 minutes into my uh my shift she says to me oh you know you're gonna be an astrologer here someday and i was like okay lady like i just want you know like discounts on candles but and my minimum wage cool yeah exactly i mean definitely was minimum wage um but it was like a cool quirky cast of characters all working out of there that I grew to love and i also grew interested obviously in all of the things that we were you know, selling there. I, so I started to read everything from Buddha, books about Buddhism to Taoism to, you know, Wicca 
to Louise Hay. Louise Hay and Tarot and Psychic Vampires. And I sort of became like a mini expert on all of these little things because I just found it all fascinating. And all the people who came in there were super fascinating, super intense, and really passionate about the thing that they were into. What part of San Francisco was this in? This was in uh, the lower Haight, like Hayes Valley area. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's now a very like bougie. Oh, yeah. Very bougie part of town. Back then, it was not at all that. Rich white ladies in yoga pants. Yeah. Um, But super fun. And then, you know, I'd say probably about six months after I started working there, I got a reading from a... Um, past life healer. And she was someone who was booked up like months in advance. Everyone else who worked there, like, you know, you could get an appointment with them maybe that week or the next, you know, maybe early the next week. But hers was like always like weeks and weeks, if not like two months in advance. And it was my birthday and she had a last minute cancellation. And so my boss, Angelique, was like, oh, why don't you read Angel? It's his birthday. It's on me. So I go in for this reading. I mean, I'm like, I barely would see this woman. She would come to work. And she was like this very sort of like, she would be played by J.K. Rowling. I know J.K. Rowling's not an actress, but she kind of is like J.K. Rowling's twin in in my memory. Very glam, like always had like a purse with like, you know, a brand on it. Like, I mean, she made money. The people came for her and paid. And so she gives me this reading. I go in there and she's like, hello, darling. And was British and had the accent and was beautiful and made me feel very at ease right away. And was like, do you want to just like talk about your past lives or do you want to like go back into them? And I'm like, well, we're going back into them. So I like lay on the floor. It was the whole like past life regression. And she said a lot of things that initially just shocked me because they were I mean right on with things that I was going through in that moment um there was a whole Joan of Arc thing and not that I was Joan of Arc but like a witch burned at the stake I was doing in the middle of doing like a whole project on Joan of Arc at the time it was a whole thing but she said you were a witch burned at the stake yeah I just want you to be able to own that yeah many times she said a couple times she said I was always sort of killed very young for my strong beliefs connected to to spirit that people didn't understand which was interesting just because i was also just at that time coming into my whole sort of spiritual journey ultimately she said oh and you know you were one of the very first astrologers as well so you should you should, uh, you know, pick up a book or do something like it'll come back to you really, really easily. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, given, you know, what Angelique had said and that I had always kind of like a side interest in it. Uh, So I did that. I picked up a book and I just read it. And I've never been like the best student. I always had trouble retaining. But this I did retain pretty easily. And that also coincided with Uh, one of my roommates at the time moving out and a young woman just started who had just started working at the psychic eye and who was a working astrologer needed a a new place so she moved in so I basically had an astrologer you know 
sharing a wall with me. So we would go home from work every night and just look at charts and I could just ask tons of questions and, you know, she would be like, yeah, that's right. And I'd be like, so if this is here and this squares that and this is here, so that means this and this. And she'd be like, yeah, that's right. So it just really came to me and then cut to six months later, I was still, I was like the assistant manager of the, of this place. And it was a big retail store. So I was very much in the retail mode. And this guy walked in and he said, do you have any astrologers available? I really need one. And our astrologer had actually gone home early that night. And my boss said, yeah, we have one. He's right here. And I was like, uh, what? And she's like, yeah, how, how long? And this and that. And I'm just standing there like frozen. And he's like, she's like, yeah, just give him like 10 minutes. So this guy goes and wanders off to, into the store and she's like, I was like, well, what are you doing? And she's like, it, it, now you're an astrologer. Like now's your time. So get in the room, go set it up. And I was like, but I don't even have, like everyone always has like little statues and like fabrics and things. And she's like, well, walk around the store. There's tons of shit around here. Like pick out the things that are yours and put it, go set up a room. You got 10 minutes. So I was like, okay. And she's like, I'll print up his chart. So I'm like freaking out because, yeah, I'm like young and I'm like, I was the youngest person there working there as far as like readers. Everyone else was like in their 40s and 50s and except for the one other woman who was probably like five years older than me, four years older than me. Um, but anyway, so I go, I set up this room and uh, the guy comes in and I just start reading his chart and by the end I'm like and we get no conversation back there's a nice back and forth and he's answering questions but at the same time I'm like and yeah so you have this in the third house so that must mean blah 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 and this and you're right now you're going through this and he'd be like wow yeah yeah so I mean I don't know what to do and we would get in and I'm like and I'd be like really okay yeah yeah and I kept catching myself saying like really so cut to the end and he leaves and gives me a really nice tip and that was like my very first reading and I couldn't believe it. And so from that moment on, I worked there full time as an astrologer and tarot reader because I was also, I had studied tarot and um, so that just became one of the things I could do too. And yeah, I gave, God, I don't even know over the course of a year working there, I must have given hundreds of readings and that was really the thing that then like kicked me on to like a legitimate spirit path. Because before then I had, you know, paid attention and I had been, I had a couple roommates who were these amazing artists who were very spiritually grounded and had that mentality. And we were talking about, you know, that everything, you know, that life is an illusion. And we were having all of those sort of like, be here now-esque conversations. Um, so I was already kind of opening myself up to seeing beyond just what was tangible in my life. But but really before then, I was just kind of like a MTV watching, like pot smoking, like writing, living in my life. And like I mentioned, I was a I had a massive anxiety, like I had crippling panic attacks. And that also started, once I got onto the astrologer path, all of that started to dissipate because it was ultimately based in fear and, you know, 
I think I realized too, because I could then tie it back to the whole, I died or young for my beliefs. And I think recognizing that this time that didn't have to happen was also a big sort of relief for me too. How amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Can you remember some of the objects you grabbed? Well, I grabbed this, which is now sadly broken in half, statue of Persephone, which I'm staring at right now because she's in this room with us. I kind of love that Persephone's broken in (laughs) half, though, because she spends half the year in the underworld and half the world in the light. So maybe right now she's just like in her half state. Um, But yeah, I've had her since that day um, because I always just connected to that myth growing up. I loved this idea of, you know, this character that sort of was forced to live half in the shadow world and half in the light. And, uh, yeah, I think I just grabbed like some candles and probably a couple crystals and some sort of like frilly scarf with like moons and stars on it. I just love, oh, the one that you still have, the red one? that one. Oh, wow. I just love the idea of like a supermarket sweep in a psychic eye bookshop. <laughs> You've got 10 minutes, but an unlimited budget. What what sort of spiritual right, exactly. treasures are you going to grab? I'll take this green candle and oh my God, I'll take this Tibetan musk incense. Totally. <laughs> so great. Yeah. I mean, look, that store, I mean, I accumulated so much living in that store. I mean, you think our house looks like a new age bookshop now. I mean, you should have seen my place back then. It was like crazy town. Did you always stick with astrology once you found it? Or was there ever a period where you kind of fell away from it after that initial awakening? Uh, I did have a period where I fell away from it. I, uh, when I got really immersed in um, my film career, I just sort of was like, oh, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that was just a means, you know, to get by. Um, because I used it, you know, I then moved to New York and... Even when I first moved back to LA, I would get clients. I was living in New York and like, you know, reading, doing tarot readings. And, the you know, I had friends who were throwing like parties at bars in the East Village. And they'd be like, come and be the tarot reader. So like I'd be like at a gay bar in the East Village, like set up at a table and a candle in the back and like reading cards for like crazy drunk people. And like, you know, just like doing that stuff. Um, and it to always just make extra money to make sure I was like going to make rent and be able to like buy burritos. Um, But then, yeah, once I started to get like a more sort of full-time real world job, yes, executive realness position, then I uh, felt like I didn't need to do it anymore. And then I was working at at a, at a film studio. Um, you can say it. I was working at Focus Features. <laughs> you don't have to keep censoring yourself. <laughs> I think it's okay. I was working at Focus Features. And uh, I know, right? And um, I was sharing a cubicle wall with someone who we both love dearly, Miss Abby X. Shout out, Abby X, if Shout you're listening. Scorpio forever. And she was, uh, you know, reading some sort of astro blog or website and i was like oh you like that one i like this one better and she was like wait you know about astrology and i was like yeah and i used to work as an astrologer and she was like sure you did give me a reading so she bought me lunch i gave her a reading in a conference room she didn't like anything i had to say 
she kind of fought me a little bit. And then, and I was like, all right, well, that was what it was. And then I think it was, I don't remember how long after, but basically, you know, everything, you know, not that I find astrology to always be like an incredibly predictive thing. I think it can be, but I think the way I read, um, you know, it's very sort of soul centered and like person, like I want to learn about you. I want you to learn your strengths and your challenges. Um, but it then becomes about what's going on and what could be coming up. And I had some things to tell her about work that she didn't like that then in the time frame I said what happened did happen. So once that occurred, she came back to me and was like, you got a gift. <laughs> you need to be doing this all the time. And that actually then, and she was like, I at least start doing it for my friends. So that was sort of the slow let me get back into it. I started writing a blog called Astrology Realness, um, just sort of for friends that kind of began to take off a bit. It led me to get this brief but fun AOL show where I did sort of like daily astrology. Um, oh, right. That was when we first were dating. Yeah, when we first started dating. Yeah, so it all kind of started to snowball from that point that I was really getting fully back into it. And I guess in as a concise way as possible, how would you define the art of astrology as you view it? Um, how would I define the art of astrology? How would you start to talk about what it really is at its core? Yeah, I mean, what it is is, you know, it's a snapshot of the the planets and the sun and the moon, you know, where you were when, you know, or where they were when you were born. And, you know, astrology sort of creates this grid, if you will, this sort of visual blueprint um, that sort of helps you to understand sort of, you know, what energies were at play when you were born, how they were relating to each other, and how you either choose to work with or against those energies as you move forward in your life. So astrology really is just this tool to help you better understand, you know, what's motivating you and, um, you know, what your shadow self has hidden and, you know, what can help you move forward, your gifts, all of those things. It really is sort of an opportunity to understand, like, you know, the path your soul's being invited into on here i always say in a way astrology kind of like lays out your like class schedule you know if like we're calling this the school of life like this semester you're majoring in these things when you look at your chart i love that yeah and i guess my last question for you is what is the one most indispensable piece of your current spiritual practice like what's the one thing that you can't really do without uh, the one thing I cannot do without in regards to just like my spirit life is meditation. Just silent meditation. Yeah, just silent meditation. I It's taken me a long time to really walk the talk of that. And a day does not go by where I don't meditate for at least 20 minutes now. Um, and if it does occasionally happen on like a Sunday where I've woken up late and we're rushing to the farmer's market or whatever, you know, then I tend to feel it. 
you know? Yeah. Um, they always say you can't really feel the days when you do meditate. You just feel the days where you don't. Completely. Yeah. So for me, because what it is, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So then like I do that in the morning when I wake up and then come at like three o'clock if I'm in the middle of something and something's driving me crazy. I can now have that tool to draw back on and be like, whoa, quiet the mind, quiet the voice, listen to your breath, you know, and that always helps me kind of go, oh, right, okay. It almost feels like the start of a, of a day again. That's great. That's something I try to do sometimes is to link two moments in time together. So it sounds like that's what you're doing intuitively, like you're yeah. linking back to that meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. So, yeah, I definitely could not do without that. And then I probably would say I also look at my chart pretty much, pretty regularly, just to remind myself, all right, this is what you're looking at today. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I learned some things I did not know about you, actually. So that really? was exciting for me. What was the, uh, I didn't the know most the, interesting thing? I didn't know the part of the story where you were just giving your first reading on the fly because some guy walked in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a scary moment. I remember it very vividly. Yeah, but what a beautiful initiation. And mm -hmm. truly, what an angel Angelique was for you to kind of usher you through that whole experience. Whew, girl, you have no idea. I need to give her a call. Because she also, like, she held my hand through some really, really crazy experiences in my life. And was really like a mother. Um, I always have these, like, Scorpio women who, like, mother me through mm. big, important changes in my life. That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But probably because I have a very Plutonian chart. And I won't say more because I don't want people to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, now I think you should talk about that briefly. Well, we can talk about just um, that Pluto, which is the Scorpio planet, or rules Scorpio. It rules um, like the deepest possible soul transformation. Yes. So that... Uh, planet in my chart sits almost completely opposite my sun, which is my soul essence, my personality. Uh, so every now and then I feel like Pluto sends sort of like a cosmic like blast, you know, blast at my personality, like shift, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and probably shows up in the form of a strong Scorpio woman, because that's what maybe my guides or what have you know I will respond to best. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's my turn to learn some things about you that I may not know, which I'm very excited about. Are you? Yeah, of course. Well, I'm, I'm excited because I know that, well, I'm not even going to say anything. So please just tell us, you know, what was sort of your first memory of being exposed to sort of a spirit life well uh, my mom is like a crazy witch lady i mean that's not a she's a reiki master and she's accumulated more crystals than anyone i know and <laughs> and she's always been interested in at that time what was called like new age which is really just like ancient age you right. know healing and so my mom was taking me to psychics and to the psychic guy in San Diego and other bookstores like that and really just like steeping me. And I mean, she probably gave me my first tarot deck when I was 
11 years old. I mean, it was just like, I mean, there was this amazing book called Mountains and Meadows and Moonbeams. And it was for children. And she would read it to me before we'd go to bed. And it was stories about like fairies and elves. And it wasn't like fantasy. It was like, these are real things that exist in the world. And she would play games with me before we'd go to bed. Like, what color am I thinking of? Or I mean, like full on psychic development. And I actually even still remember this, uh, like sleep time meditation tape that she would play where you would visualize yourself as like a bouncing red ball that bounces down the street. And it's just so wild. I haven't thought about that in a really long time. So that was like the landscape in which I grew up. Like I grew up in this kind of like new agey. Well, that's my mom. My dad is like very much, uh, not that way. He has his own spiritual practice. Uh, but it's very, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it is, but he has a relationship with the universe and he like talks to God a lot. Mm-hmm. And so he's got that, but he was never that into like the tarot or the astrology or right. all of the crystals. Can we back up one moment? So you were taken to a psychic when you were how old? Oh, probably like seven or Do you eight. remember that experience? I mean, I only remember like the circumstances. Like I, I can see the bookshop itself. I can see that the reader's room was like in this like little alcove that you had to like walk up this like little staircase. I remember being told I was an old soul, but like, wouldn't you tell <laughs> any seven year old that was getting a psychic reading that they were an old soul? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and to be honest with you, that's really all I remember of that experience. Oh, okay. I don't remember a lot from my childhood just in general. Right. It's just something about me. Yeah. <laughs> but then how, so then you had some of those very early developmental experiences. Did they then carry on into your adolescence as things that you sort of picked up again on your own? Yeah, they did. I mean, I was giving tarot readings in high school. I was... Mm like so good at it and I was doing it in college too but it was one of those things where it came to me so easily that I took it for granted and I didn't even now I look back and I go you were clearly channeling these information these messages Mm -hmm. but at the time I just thought I was bullshitting you know I didn't take it seriously and I didn't realize what I was doing and I didn't really have a larger framework or what I would call like a cosmology to put all of this in it was just like here's this fun thing I can do but why, you know, like it wasn't connected to any larger spirituality. And then it's only in the past few years where I've really picked up a shamanic practice where I've really started to allow for this larger cosmology, this larger sense of like what we are doing here and who are the larger powers and what is my relationship to them, essentially like mother earth and father sky and all of my helping spirits. And it gave me the framework or the container to understand tarot and astrology and healing in a way that it's not like a fun party trick I do. It's like this river that is my life, this life Mm -hmm. of spirituality and these practices, whether it be teaching a soul-centered Pilates class or giving a tarot reading are all coming out of this same center channel, which is my cosmology, this idea of how I have experienced the world to work. And so that's where it comes from. So it's like I had the skills, but they didn't have they didn't have roots and now they've got some roots. But you mentioned like you use the word bullshitting and like, so did you in the moment were you like, ha ha, like, or because people were saying, wow, this is really amazing what you're saying. You felt like you were doing something, but it was just kind of bullshit 
the source. So the difference is, is that at that time, I just thought I was making it up, which is what we always do. But really, when you're good at your job as a reader, you're letting spirit speak through you. And and because I didn't have the cosmology, because I didn't have a relationship with spirit, I didn't understand that's what was going on. And so it was just like little me and my ego. And I was like, oh, I'm like really good at just like telling people what they want to hear or sometimes mm-hmm. what they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And now it's a very different situation. You know, it's not about telling people what they want to hear. It's about delivering the messages that are that are coming through me by way of the cards or my guides mm-hmm. or you know what i hear or feel or sense so do you know when that transition happened or can you sort of pinpoint like sort of an area in your life where you started to go oh this isn't bullshit i mean i was giving readings in college and then i stopped i just mm-hmm. like put it all away because i wanted to like get famous and be on tv right so we have a very similar yeah. trajectory there yeah it's like true. we had this early experience of the you know invisible world and they were like yeah but i just like want to be famous and make a bunch of money so you know like fuck that shit and then <laughs> in the past few years having spiritual crises and my saturn return and just for the first time in my life really having a deep personal intimate unique relationship with spirit all of these things have started to come back so mm-hmm. much stronger than before so does it feel interesting and or challenging now to sort of live your life fully or more fully in this space as opposed to the the quest for fame and fortune, as they say? Like, what has that transition been for you, you know, mentally, emotionally? No, it's so much easier because now I'm just like living my life. Like right. when I'm talking about tarot or I'm giving someone a reading, I'm just in the river of my life. You know, I don't have to like put something on or take something off. It's just as I am, you know? Right. And that's really what I'm trying to do these days is to make sure that everything I agree to do in my life just feels like me rolling in as I am. Right. Because I'm tired of having spent a decade trying to like be somebody else's idea of myself, yeah. even if that was self-imposed. Yeah. And now I'm just trying to like be myself as authentically as possible, warts and all, tired, cranky, crabby, or like feeling fierce as fuck, and just owning that and just rolling right in with that. Yeah. But uh, but I'm curious, was that hard for you to transition into just the, I'm going to just flow in this river now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so much easier to like play a character and just like have that wall. Mm-hmm. But there's also a real loneliness that happens when you're always performing a version of yourself instead of just being yourself. And then you can actually connect with people. And it's cool too. Like I was giving readings today and this one guy was like, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. And I really appreciate that. But at the end of the day, what I said to him is like, the cards are amazing. And I'm just continually awed and grateful that these tools work and that you're receiving the messages. Like, thank you. But like, it's not about me. It's through me. No, yeah, I get that. I I always say when people say like, "Oh my god, what an amazing reading!" I'm like, "Well, it's an amazing chart. It's your chart." Yeah, I'm just here reflecting. Like, These are good cards, and yeah, yeah, like we're good at what we do, and we have good integrity. But I think the quickest way to lose your gifts is to brag about them. Oh, for sure. So, but I'm curious because you use the word integrity, and it's something that I certainly have grappled with because this is like an invisible world essentially that we're tapping into. So. 
again, just speaking from my own personal experience, like I've had definitely come up against like, is this all fake? Like, what am I doing? Well, you're a skeptic. Yes. That's the difference between the two of us is you're the skeptical astrologer. So you never had that experience of skepticism, even when you were younger, you always sort of believed that there was another realm. Oh, I mean, I was planning on talking today about these two experiences I had when I was very young, these like two mystical experiences, one where I was like camping in the woods and Mm -hmm. I heard this like celestial music and I was certain that it was just like something playing from a boombox nearby. And the next morning I found out that like there was nobody in that forest for like 20, 30, 40 miles. Like that was heavenly music that I heard. And I had another experience. What did it sound like? It sounded like angel music. Just like imagine cliche angel music. And that's what I heard. (laughs) It was incredible. It was like the psychic guy. It was like the psychic guy. Yeah. It was like (laughs) harps and choirs. And I mean, it was, yeah. How loud was it? It was really loud. What? Yeah. And how old were you? I was maybe uh, between eight and 12. Oh, wow. That's a broad. Oh, yeah. You don't really remember. I don't. (laughs) You're all between four and 27 yeah, somewhere in there <laughs> and then the and other the other, one? the other mystical experience is when so i went uh, for three years to this like very episcopalian like private uniform college preparatory school that was like all like white christian kids mm-hmm. um and there was the christmas concert and i asked if i could sing i auditioned a solo piece to sing at the christmas concert which was a jewish song called la dorvador and i just remember the first time i sung it on stage for the first concert because we would do like three in a weekend it was a total out of body experience and looking back i realized i was not singing i was being sung and it was this like transcendent experience that happened where i felt i felt the goddess now at the time i just knew i had like a freaky deaky experience but now looking back i'm like oh yeah there was always something about music and because I am clairaudient, which just means like I, you know, my guides communicate to me. I hear things sometimes mm-hmm. if I'm lucky, doing my job. Um, and that was just like part of it. It's all like throat chakra, you know, like my spiritual awakening, my spiritual bridge is really through my my throat. Mm-hmm. Now, because, you know, this is sort of like, again, yeah. And again, I'm the skeptic. So, but I do approach it from a place where I think a lot of people approach sort of this realm from a place of like, what, really? I don't know. Like, you know, I guess I'd be curious to wonder, like, have you had any experiences maybe in your family or with close friends where they just don't get it or don't understand this world? And how do you sort of deal with that in relationship or how did you? I have a great teacher that shared with us. He is no longer interested in working with people that have resistance. And I have taken up that mantle as well. So it's like not my job to convince people that the invisible world exists. And I'm like not interested in really doing that. So yes, of course, there are people in my life that don't understand or that have resistance. But I actually find that by just owning it, that it's true for me Mm -hmm. and being able to speak freely about it, but not trying to change anybody's mind. Like, that's not my MO. Like, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. Spirit will change your mind when the time is right. And then I'm here to like help you learn how to work with it. But I'm just here to share my experience and own it, you know, because it's taken me 33 years to own this shit. I'm a gay witch and I'm moving forwards as a gay witch. Yes, gay witch. What, what? Hey. Uh, No, but I completely can understand that. And I think I've had a 
greater struggle even with that um, because it's been a part of it. And I was just referring to it the other day to someone as sort of like a a coming out, you know, it was like another coming out for me of when I was finally able to just say to people, oh, yes, and I'm an astrologer. Yeah. Uh, And it's been interesting because in the beginning when I would say it, I think I would say it in a way that I was not believing it or embarrassed. So people would be like, oh, really? And now when I say it, everyone... 95% of the people are like, wait, what? Oh my God, tell me everything. Yeah, because people are only ever reading your opinions of you when you talk. I mean, it's so true. It's like what you think about yourself is what is being reflected in other people. Mm -hmm. So if you're embarrassed about being an astrologer, when you talk about being an astrologer, people are going to feel that. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you claim it within yourself, you know, as soon as you own yourself completely, other people will stop giving you so much shit. Yeah. Now, obviously, before, you know, before me, you didn't really, really love another man, but you were in relationships. Yes. Was there a spiritual component? No. And that was actually one of the biggest fights I would have in my last significant relationship is that there was no spirituality whatsoever. And there was no sense of like spiritual integrity it was always like what's best for me not like what's best for all living beings Mm -hmm. and and clearly there were a lot of things wrong in that relationship uh but yeah that was certainly a very big one but i was also in that interim phase where i was pretty spiritually bereft oh you know like it took everything i had just to like sit and meditate for 10 minutes in a day oh wow so what was there and was there a moment then that sort of helped pull you back or something that helped pull you back into it? I wish I had like a dramatic moment like you had where someone's like, you're giving a reading now, but it really <laughs> right. was just, it was just following the breadcrumbs. I'm still following the breadcrumbs. Yeah. You know, it's just continuing to pay attention to the hidden messages that are all around us. I think getting back to nature was probably the biggest aha moment I've had in my adult life. And that is the like piece of my spiritual practice that is indispensable. And that's like every day connecting with the earth and giving gratitude for the earth and letting her be my mother and letting myself be a child held by the earth. I mean, that really, once I started to tap into that, everything else has continued to flow in a way that makes me feel good and connected and aligned. Yeah, well, I can vouch for you are your happiest when you are in nature in some way. Yeah. For sure. I think we all are, like, I was giving a reading to this guy, and he's like, I hate camping. I was like, I don't love camping either. But, like, you live 10 minutes from the ocean. You can still, like, go and get your feet dirty and then come and take a shower, you know? It's like everybody does love nature in some way. And if Mm -hmm. you're not a beach person, you're a forest person or you're a desert person or... Or I even said to him, I was like, or just take a bath, you know, like just work with the spirit of the water in your own home, you know, yeah. but like, that's still nature. It's still water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I would say um, that I'm extremely grateful to be in a relationship where the conversation around this flows so easily. And I certainly recall the night where we really first met and you were talking about astrology and we were able to go toe to toe. And that was like when I went, oh, okay, I could date this guy. <laughs> you know, because it, it's nice to have that connection in a relationship. Yeah. And that's not to say that we have the same spiritual practices no. by any means. Mm-mm. But we can unite in the spiritual realm. 
and respect each other's spiritual path totally. for that reason because we get it. Yeah. And that it's always going to be personal. So this is not a show for us to make you do things our way. This is just a show that's about inviting you to figure out how are you going to do things your way with spirit. Yeah, and to show that it's not an easy thing to always invite into your life until it is suddenly an easy thing. It's why we're here. Yeah, and I think it can be confusing when it shows up. Um, At least for me, I know it was like a confusing experience to sort of like say, wait, what? There's things outside of me and the planets have something, can do have something to do with what I'm doing. Um, But ultimately, I think, as you said, like, as your life sort of shows you, you know, it's, it's our experience. And ultimately, yeah, like, we just have to sort of own that, okay, well, this is true for me. So it has to be true. (laughs) And, you know, until proven otherwise. And I'm always happy to have conversation with people to tell me, you know, how it is otherwise. But I've just had so many crazy experiences in my life that have helped me, you know, helped show me that this is your reality, honey. So embrace it. Step into it, yo. Yeah, it makes it, and like you said, it makes it much more fun. And on that note, we're going to close and I'm going to pull a card for everyone until we meet again. Oh, and I've just <gasps> pulled the Ace of Wands and Aces are beginnings. They're really strong, really powerful, almost faded beginnings. And wands is the suit about fire. So it rules over things that spark, like your sexuality, your creativity, um, your spirituality. So the message in this card is really like, there's a big beginning. There's a big awakening that wants to invite you into it if you're willing. And this could be like a new creative project. This could be a new spiritual practice. This could be like a really new, exciting fuck buddy. The thing that's going to get in your way is your fear and your resistance because this card came in upside down, which means it's the same energy, just in a different costume. And usually that costume is something that scares you or makes you want to push it away. So I'm just going to say move through whatever resistance you're feeling and take that big opportunity. Take that big leap. If, If it feels like a big bang, then you are in the Ace of Wands. Yeah, girl, get that fuck buddy. (laughs) Sorry, that's all I heard. What else did you say? Nothing. That was great. Yeah, new beginnings. And these are still new beginnings for us here on our podcast, but we are so grateful for you uh, to be here and to be listening with us and speaking with us. And feel free to email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com yeah if you have questions or topics you'd like us to do a deep dive on or you want more clarification about something we said like what does it mean to have something in the 12th house you know if we skim over stuff and don't explain it let us know yeah we definitely want to be in conversation with you all as well and you can also find us on twitter at spiritualgaze or instagram at thespiritualgaze sometimes we have the the sometimes we don't just depends on if somebody gets to you Until next time, may the goddess be with you. Yeah, and also with you, honey. Oh, and also with you. And also with all of you.